All right, I am Haggai Davis III, along with Haggai Davis II, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Our show is a conversation about the past, present, and future of all things technology that we like to keep topical, interesting, and digestible. We want to thank our sponsor, Cardinal Capital, for making this possible. Cardinal Capital connects businesses to capital. It doesn't matter what business that you are in, Cardinal Capital has the resources all across the United States that are willing to help fund organizations of all sizes, life cycles, categories, and locations. Cardinal Capital works with you to craft the best commercial finance package for you to achieve your business goals. Whether you're looking to refinance current debt because of the new government programs and favorable interest rates, or finance new equipment, or maybe you're trying to acquire another business entirely, Cardinal Capital has the resources to make it happen. When lenders cannot do a loan, they seek out Cardinal Capital to help. The Cardinal Capital guys are easy to work with and fun to be around. Contact them today at 225-308-3700 or send them an email at info at cardinalcap.net and they'll be happy to help you with your commercial finance needs. So each week we take a listener question here on Tech Gumbo about a topic that the listeners were interested in. They went to our website, techgumbo.net, clicked over to the tab for question of the week, submitted the question, and this week's question was, I bought a Chromebook during the pandemic, and it's going end of life. Now what? This is a great question. And at first, whenever I saw it, I was a little surprised, you know, because the pandemic wasn't that long ago. And so for it to already be going end of life, I, I was caught off guard. But it turns out these Chromebooks actually do have a very short lifespan compared to other laptops. So if the Chromebook is already going end of life. I'm guessing they didn't buy it brand new or it had been in circulation. These Chromebooks typically are given about a five to seven year before they expire, but they actually have expiration dates, not just end of life support like on, on Windows computers. They just stop working. Yeah. And again, on a Windows computer, when it, you get that end of support life, it just means they won't push out new software updates to you. You can still run your machine. It just becomes less secure over time. Whereas, as you said, because Chromebooks, so much of it is connections to the web, Google just breaks that connection and you have a paperweight. That's right. And so many of these school systems, when everybody was being sent home and did the whole year of school from home, then everybody needed some type of computer. It made a lot of sense to go out and buy the Chromebooks because they're two to three hundred dollars. They're very inexpensive and you can't do much with them, but go to the web and use web based software like the Google Suite kind of things, which was a good thing during the pandemic. And also, a lot of these schools were transitioning into this beforehand. They were considering it. There was one school that we found an article in. They first looked into this for the 2018-2019 school year. But again, their expiration date was four years after they bought it. That is a very short turnaround for most pieces of tech hardware, especially in the public school system. They bought these books, the Chromebooks, in 2018, 2019, but they were released in 2017. So they'd been sitting in a warehouse for two years with the timer running. So it was actually closer to six years that it was sitting there. And yes, but still, that's six years for a device that all it does is go out to the web and have it end of life, literally end of life, 
that quick is that's kind of harsh. And so, you know, a lot of schools were saying that it was much easier to get that upfront capital to buy the Chromebooks because they were two or three times cheaper than the PC and they were five times cheaper than the MacBook. And so, all right, you know, the school could sit there and they could buy a hundred of them or they could, you know, buy however many they needed. Well, now that they're all of a sudden they're going into life and you have to make that purchase again. Well, if schools were in the position wherever they didn't budget for that next round, then you're kind of stuck in the lurch here. For those Chromebooks that do go end of life, they just become e-waste. You can't recycle them. You can't reuse them. You can't sell them anywhere. They've just, they've got to be scrapped. And that's one of the differences between the MacBooks, that after four years, MacBooks still retain a good bit of their value. And so the resale market for them is pretty good. And that does, whenever you're factoring in the total lifecycle cost of that device, that can make a difference. And even the PCs, while they may not be holding the, the value as, as well as the Macs, you can still ship them overseas to much less fortunate countries where they really need some kind of technology, and they will still work in those other places. The Chromebooks just won't. And again, because you're not able to sell them, you're not able to resell them, you have to pay to have them carted off-site because they can. it can be a lot, it can be expensive, and it's not just any old shop that will take them. You need to have someone who specializes in reusing and recycling e-waste because that's what this is, is that it is not throwing away an old TV. You don't just, or you shouldn't just throw it out on the street you should bring it someplace that is capable of breaking it apart because there's a lot of metals inside of it. A lot of that, those batteries inside of it need to be properly handled and properly taken care of. So to answer the question, that Chromebook is going to end of life. Take it down to a recycling, a computer recycling place and have it recycled the right way. And then if you really like the Chromebook, go buy another Chromebook. You're still going to, having bought the second one, be less money than having bought a brand new Windows laptop, much less than having bought a new Mac for sure. But it just means you're going to have to change out your hardware that much more frequently. So thank you to the listener for that question. That was a fascinating question. And because of that, we will be sending out a Tech Gumbo mug. If you're interested in seeing that mug, it's a big 20-ounce mug with our logo on both sides of it. We would love to send one to you. So go to techgumbo.net, go over to the question page and submit a question so we can send you a Tech Gumbo mug. Moving on to our big story, it's going to continue to be around large language models, around the chat GPT and other things like it, because this is just becoming prominent it is becoming prevalent it is everywhere and it's not going away this is just a, a part of society now and so one of the interesting things that some researchers from stanford and uc berkeley found was that it's experiencing drift is the term they use to describe it which means that the answers that it gives change over time and in fact they've gotten worse that's right. Some of the answers, when it was just 3.5 back in March versus 4.0 in June, you're getting different answers. Now, part of that is 4.0 has got more information that it's taking in. And if it's being given bad information, 
then garbage in is garbage out. As that old phrase comes back around, you've got to be careful out there. And so it is it is still very smart. It is still very good. But you've you've got to be careful with what you're doing with these large language models. Right. And so it's the type of tasks that you don't normally use it for. For example, they looked at can it identify a prime number? And so they said that in March, GPT-4 could do it with a 98% task, but by June, it had dropped to a 3% effectiveness rate. If I need to identify a prime number, I'm not going to GPT for that. I, you know, I'm going to Wolfram, I'm going to Google, because I know that those pieces of software are better at that specific task. And so part of it is understanding what each one of these things are good at, but the broader picture here is that because these GPT-4, ChatGPT, all these products, or, or, or these specific products, are owned by OpenAI, they're all black boxes, and OpenAI can push and pull levers and adjust things. It can put up barriers and change how the structure of the model is over time, and our only way to figure out that something is changing is to these large-scale studies. And it's not just the academics. Business Insider noted that how these large language models, ChatGPT in particular, have been creating re references that were never, that aren't real, making things up. And, you know, so you've got to really go back and check the references that LLM is giving you, because if it's giving you bad information, then it's not helping you. And that's, that's the problem is that it gives you bad information confidently. And that it's one thing whenever you can sit there and you, you have developed this instinct over time, whenever you're Google searching, Google's pretty good at putting some reputable sources near the top. And you can go to a website and just kind of get a, a feel for whether or not you're going to trust this or whether or not you would use this in an argument with your friends or they're going to roast you for it. Well, if GPT says, here, look, Here's a source and like, a, you know, and I'm citing the paper. It was Davis and Davis 2023. And you say, oh, well, there's a paper attached to it. It must be high quality. Well, if GPT is making all that up, you have to be really careful with how you're using it. And speaking of how you're using it, we came across an article about LSU, university we both love, admittedly, that LSU saw nearly a 500% increase in reports of its Student Accountability Office for plagiarism because of these LLMs. Not to pick on LSU, every university, every high school in the country is facing these things. This article just happened to be about LSU. Very much so. That this is something wherever no one has a solution to this. The New York Times has talked to some different teachers, different professors, I've seen reporting in a lot of different places wherever they're just going out and talking to educators and saying, how are you approaching it? And if they're in the classroom or their administrator, everyone has a different answer. Everyone has a different thought process. And there is very little consensus from the education community and the tech community. Maybe they have a, a couple more coalesced ideas, but OpenAI is not trying to direct anybody in any sort of way. They are trying to be very hands-off about the whole thing, and it's causing chaos. A lot of the professors are using Turnitin to check. They're going to the OpenAI's website to see, hey, was this an, uh, an artificial intelligence-created port? 
there's a lot of different ways to, to go back and check. And so what we've said in the past, and we will continue to say it again, if you're going to use this, and people are using these LLMs a lot, you've got to let it help you not do everything for you, give it the information you want, have it synthesize the report, then you go back in and you make what that GPT gave you and you make it your own. You you take out some of the computery looking language and you make it into your language now, but you've got a basis, a model to work from. Yeah, that's exactly the right way that sticking your head in the sand, trying to fight this, trying to, to ignore it, that's just not going to work. That this is only going to become more prevalent. It is only going to make its way more into people's lives today, but also forever. We we have let the genie out of the bottle, and as long as there is technology, we will have AI assistance to help us now. And so understanding how to use them and how to use them well is a critical skill. This is like the internet, that in 1995, if you'd have said, the internet is banned from my classroom, you're not allowed to go online to look up resources, maybe that would have flown in 1995 as a policy. But here in 2023, if a teacher told me that whenever I was writing a paper, I couldn't Google to go find some sources for that paper, I would laugh at them because that's just how everything works now. And we are at that inflection point wherever it's still very rough, but everyone needs to be learning how to use it and learning how to use it properly and how to not use it incorrectly. And the fact that there is arguments or disagreements over how we're going to use this as if, oh, well, we're telling our students not to use it is like telling your students don't breathe. Get over it. It's going to be used. It is going to be used for ever. So teach your students how to use it properly. Teach your students to use this as a tool to enhance what you're doing. You don't use this as a tool to do everything for you. Yeah. And that's one of the things that's a question that some of the teachers that I saw the reporting on, they said, what does this do to my homework? And the answer was, well, your homework is broken. This is not something wherever you can just kind of rub some dirt on it you're going to have to redesign large portions of your entire curriculum with this in mind. Because if you don't, then you're going to see failure in very obvious places. And so some of the suggestions that I saw were teachers can communicate to students ahead of time, you know, on, on the syllabus. Here are my expectations for how you will use large language models. And also for the teacher to say, I have put in some of this work into the large language model, I know where the errors are. If you are someone who is teaching chemistry and ChatGPT is bad at chemistry, tell your students that up front. Say, hey, look, if you put it in, it's going to spit something out, but it's going to spit it out wrong. And I know what it is. I'm telling you up front, here's where it's going to make the errors. Don't try. You have to still put in your own work. Those are the things that you can do to help students navigate that what does it actually know? Bottom line, we now have to completely change the way we educate our kids. Because don't be surprised when you see third graders using chat GPT, because it's going to happen if it hasn't already begun. And again, telling them they can't is just not going to work. 
Now, the good news is I've actually seen a lot of optimism in this space. I've seen a lot of educators say that having personalized assistants who you can sit there and ask all the questions of that you want is a fantastic way to learn. That, you know, in classrooms, students might not feel comfortable raising their hand. They might not feel comfortable speaking up because they don't want to be embarrassed. They don't want to show that they don't know. But if you have something whose whole job it is, is to sit there and explain stuff to you in new ways, that's a great way to digest new information. And so if used properly, this could be a fantastic tool to aid and assist in learning. But once again, that learning still has to take place inside of your own brain. I saw a TED Talk recently with the guy from Khan Academy, and he basically was saying these exact same things, that it's a great way to help kids learn. Don't run from this. Don't try and hide from this. Learn how to teach from this and use it because it's a great educational tool. It's not the, a bad thing unless you make it a bad thing. I think that it, it's very similar to thinking about Wikipedia and that if you go to Wikipedia, there's so much fantastic information there. But again, you have to understand how to use Wikipedia. You, cannot, you can't cite Wikipedia in academic papers, but if you just say, hey, I want to know a little bit about the city of Fargo, North Dakota. Oh, here's, here's a map of it. Here's the population. Here's the mayor. Here's a rough history. Okay, cool. Those are the, the kind of base level stuff that it's not super critical if I get that right or wrong. Maybe there's an error in there some way. Maybe it gets the mayor wrong. For me, that's not a super important piece of information unless I'm specifically doing research into that. But it's those types of things wherever you're learning about how to use this tool. And that's much like we went through this whole phase wherever for a long time, teachers were like, never go to Wikipedia. Don't trust it. Anyone can edit it. It's a bad source. It's awful. It's evil. And then we kind of came around to it and said, oh, it's a great first step. That is exactly how we should be thinking about these GPT models and that they are great first steps. Learn to incorporate them, learn to use them, but they are not the final step. You have to build them in. Absolutely. And they're not perfect. They're machines. They all they're doing is guessing the next word. They're just really good at guessing the next words. When you're trying to create a report and you want it to, a good example, I recently had to create a, a bio on myself. I needed 275 words. Well, I'm not really good about writing a bio on myself. I'm with the chat GPT. Here's my resume. Give me 275 words. And it did. Now, it took my resume and some things that I added in there and it synthesized it into a nice little report. Didn't know who I was before I did this. So it took my work and it made it better. Yeah. And so how I've used it recently is that uh, over the summer, whenever I was in Korea, I learned some ideas about how to apply machine learning and some specific types of different models. And I'm about to give a presentation on it soon. And I said, okay, look, I want to brush up a little bit. ChatGPT, tell me about when would I use an RNN versus a CNN versus RL. And it was like, oh, you know, it, it went back through it and I was like, oh yeah, okay. And I, I jogged my memory. It was enough to get started on all these things again. And so 
No, I'm not citing these in papers. I'm not saying this is the definitive answer, but it was a great one paragraph summary of each and did a good job of saying you would use this one here and that one there. This is how they compare against each other. And it was just a, a nice little synopsis to help me get going on what I was thinking about. And we want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission. And that mission is to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed services provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers from Texas to the Carolinas. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through the continuous use of innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 120 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, programmers, and designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of businesses, schools, and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business's strength. This has become a proven formula, so proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need new IT services, new technology, or you just have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. And if you enjoyed our show today, we're here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4, and the show will rerun Sunday at 4. If you missed any part of our show, or you would like to hear any of the previous episodes, check out our podcast, which is available on most every platform, including Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podcast Attic, Overcast, Player FM, and more. And when you're there, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified every time a new episode is posted. If you like our show, if you have some suggestions or want to submit a question, let us know by visiting our website, techgumbo.net. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.